Hello and welcome to another episode of Clean Talk. I am your host, Brad Whitchurch. Very excited to have us uh, joined today by Tyus Jensen, the founder, co-founder, and CEO of Santa Nudge. Uh, Tyus, welcome to Clean Talk. Thank you very much. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Maybe you can tell our audience a little bit about yourself and why you're on Clean Talk today. Sure. Um, so as you already introduced, I um, I help start a, a company to uh, to battle the uh, the challenge of uh, hospital acquired infections by uh, improving the hand hygiene of healthcare workers. And um, yeah, I think that's why I'm on the talk today is to talk a little bit about why hand hygiene matters and uh, what we've been doing in uh, in this area to uh, to change the outcomes for patients, just like you do. Well, fantastic. Well, we're really excited to have you on the show today. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about your solution. Of course, hand hygiene uh, is always the focus for infection prevention. Uh, the CDC says that that is the best way for us to prevent cross-contamination infections is to have quality hand hygiene. What is Santa Nudge and how does that support that mission? Yeah, so to, to explain kind of where we started at, um, I want to go back to 2015. Uh, back then, I, uh, I was a, an engineer and I worked at a consultancy company uh, focusing on helping out on, uh, on healthcare uh, problems for, for healthcare institutions. And uh, one of the problems that we were introduced to was um, the, this problem of, of hand hygiene compliance among healthcare workers at a university hospital here in Denmark. Um, but our angle to the problem um, was a little bit different than, than most, uh, most others had. And the reason why was because we had a behavioral scientist among the team. So he really started to focus on what is the core challenge that we're dealing with when we're talking about people's behavior and trying to change that. So instead of tackling the problem from a technological standpoint, we tackled it from a human perspective instead. And I think that is kind of where our focus is a little bit different than the hundreds of different approaches that has been uh, over the yeah, last, I would say, 20 to 30 years. Well, that's very interesting. Explain to us how it works. How are you uh, uh, focusing on the behavioral side of hand hygiene? Yeah, so so the first thing we noticed uh, when speaking with infection preventionists is that they they really focus on informing the healthcare workers, training them, giving all giving them feedback, telling them what to do, uh, especially like campaigns, uh, printouts. Um, and they've been doing this for many, many, many years. Um, what they're also doing is that they're trying to understand their compliance by uh, monitoring them. Uh, and the way that they do it, even today, is they do it manually. So they will take a pen and they will take a paper and then they will go around either uh, obviously in person and say, I am I'm going to monitor you now, or they're going to do it the secret shopper way where they're kind of hiding in the corners and try to see if they can spot um, someone doing the, the true behavior uh, of hand hygiene. And well, we focused a little bit different was to kind of figure out what are the barriers for the healthcare workers to perform hand hygiene. And I'm not talking about physical behavior barriers such as placement of, of alcohol dispensers, but more what are the cognitive uh, barriers to perform hand hygiene. And when you're talking about changing behavior, it's not enough to correct it all the time. Um, 
actually the the human way of working is that when you get corrected, you actually have a tendency to not remember it. Um, let me give an example. If I if I tell you that you're doing something bad, compared to if I'm telling you that you're doing something good, you have a tendency to remember the the good part over the bad part. So you will probably not remember if I told you told you that you were looking uh, really bad the other day, compared to if I told you you look really really nice. Then you will remember that, and that's the way the human brain um, take in new learnings the best way, and that's where the the term positive reinforcement and and nudging comes into the picture. So what we tried to do together with the IPC teams was to start um, telling the staff every time they did good instead of telling them when they did bad, as they tend to do, to focus on their misbehavior. And what we saw was that the compliance just slowly rose when we did that. And that linked us to kind of the first true experiments we did was that we took a um, existing uh, alcohol dispenser and we, we made it light up blue when they entered the room so that they kind of noticed that there was a dispenser in the room. And then when they sanitized, it lit up green. Quite simple and not very advanced, but what we saw was that the compliance was not very good the first time they, they encountered the dispenser, but over time it slowly improved doing nothing else but just having a blue and a green light. Uh, it didn't light red if they did something bad, it only focused on the good things. Um, and we have kind of used this way of changing behavior ever since in designing the product. So uh, focusing on positive reinforcement and potentially a uh, dopamine emitter, right? Much like the dings that we get uh, of positive reinforcement from social media, giving a positive uh, reinforcement uh, observation of good behavior uh, to drive better behavior. Exactly. Yeah. And now it's done at the local site, as you mentioned, with the green light, which gives you the, the joy of knowing you've done something good. Is there any type of um, back-end monitoring um, for compliance, or is that against the ideals of the positive reinforcement? No. So if you, if you want to change behavior, you need to know the baseline. You need to know where you're starting at. And that is one of the obvious challenges that, that healthcare facilities have today is that the the way of gathering um, information of, of hand hygiene compliance levels today is not giving a true picture. And the, the reason why is because when you're being monitored, you just have a tendency to do better. Uh, it's a natural treat of us that if someone looks us over our shoulder, we focus on what we're being uh, judged at doing, so to speak. Um, and this means that when you do the observations today with the either the secret shopper or, or just the in-person monitoring, the compliance levels are typically around 80 to 100 percent. And um, yeah, recent studies actually show that the average compliance score is more around 30 to 40 percent in reality. Um, so there is quite a big of gap between the uh, usage of of direct observation and and the true picture of of how they comply. So what we what we do is we we do monitor energy compliance as well, but it's not the focus of the product. It's it's kind of a side part, and we try not to make it take up too much space of the 
the value it creates because knowing is just a part of it. It's the improvement that's the importance. Well, Tyus, as we know, hand hygiene is so important for uh, uh, quality infection control protocols. Um, a lot of solutions on the market. It's a very fragmented market. People trying to figure out the best way to drive hand hygiene compliance. What kind of data do you have supporting Santa Nudge? Yeah, and and talking about many different solutions. So if you if you look at the patents that have been filed uh, since I would say the seventies, there have been so many different takes on how to do this, how to actually monitor hand hygiene compliance, and. In the end, the only thing that works is something that's invisible and that people trust. So building trust in the data is something that we have focused on since the beginning. Um, really getting the, the data validated through as many challenges as possible. Um, and to be honest, like the, the, the first three years, we didn't nail it at all. It's, it's only within the last three years that we really saw that the data that we are producing uh, is providing a, a validated picture of the reality. It's not 100% because technology is never 100%. Uh, there are always some sacrifices that you need to make. But when you compare it to the status quo, which is direct observation, it's a completely different leak. It's much more uh, reliable. It's much uh, closer to the reality than what you have today. So I think sometimes when you when you judge these systems, you judge them as if they had to be perfect, but they're not replacing the perfect. They're actually replacing something that is hugely flawed. And so I, you know, that question about um, also trusting the data, it's something that um, that is really important to build up when you when you create solutions like this. What? behavioral um, aspects are you trying to drive outside of the hand hygiene compliance? I'll give you an example. We've had some infection preventionists on the show who've gotten really creative about positive reinforcement of hand hygiene. Are there steps that you recommend within the facility that the infection uh, infection control practitioners can implement to try and uh, we've seen some uh, some creative infection uh, control practitioners gamifying uh, and making a positive experience from hand hygiene. Is there anything that uh, coordinates with your solution that helps to drive better performance? Yeah, so it's it's a journey and. Um, I definitely think there is a lot of things that you can do. Um, so once you have the trust in the in the system, once you have uh, built the understanding of, of how the data is presented to the team, then you can start playing around. And, and I'll say the only thing that we advise is that it has to be fun because people like something that's fun. They don't like bureaucracy. They don't like monitoring, tracking. They like something that's fun. So if it's gamification uh, or whatever they, they come up with, giving giving cakes or something, it has to be something that's positive. And uh, and that's the kind of the key. I we, we try not to tell them what to do because hospitals are all different. They have different cultures. Something will be... Uh, you know, very positive and one at one side, whereas some other sites might seem that it's you know taking up too much of their time, or it's, it might even be challenging for the team to accept whatever is, is happening. So we we encourage them to do something as long as it's fun in their context. 
Well, we all love to have fun. And uh, not too long ago, no one would have ever thought of infection prevention as being fun. But we are seeing today infection prevention is getting more creative. And and certainly when in conjunction with tools like Santa Nudge, uh, that, that lends to positive outcomes. Um, what was the COVID experience for your organization? Did you see a COVID bump or did that provide additional challenges? Certainly pros and cons in the infection prevention space as a result of the COVID pandemic, what was your experience? So prior to the, to the pandemic, we've mostly been focusing on our home market. So, so Denmark and the surrounding countries. And um, when the pandemic hit, um, we, we in the beginning thought, okay, now there's really a big need for our, our technology. We need to go and make it a huge impact. Our challenge is that hospitals, they locked down. So no one was able to enter them. And since we have a physical setup that we need to deploy before they can take the advantage of our system, we were actually completely locked out. Um, so what it what it gave us the uh, opportunity to do instead was we really focus on the research. So we are now starting to uh, publish a lot of the research that we have been uh, we have been creating th- throughout COVID. Um, some of the interesting studies that we have show a huge decrease in hospital uh, or in, uh, in hand hygiene compliance and a huge increase in hospital acquired infections during the, the pandemic. And um, we're even starting now to uh, continue the curve looking into what are kind of on the, on the back end of the pandemic when we're looking at hand hygiene compliance. Because I think a lot of Maybe maybe not all IPC nurses, but at least some IPC teams, they think that now they don't have an issue with hand hygiene anymore because they learned it through uh, the pandemic. But that is far, far, uh, far from the truth. Uh, in reality, we are already back at uh, pre-pandemic conditions. Uh, hand hygiene compliance um, is, is not improved since then. Uh, we also see that facilities are starting to take down dispensers which seems odd, but in their in their minds, the dispensers were kind of a crisis uh, installation and not and not an operational one.